Shortlisted is brought to you by Future Women's Jobs Academy. Getting back to work after a career break isn't easy. Future Women's Jobs Academy is a free online program supported by the Australian Government. It's proven to increase confidence and connect women with meaningful and flexible jobs. Apply today at jobsacademy.futurewomen.com. We'll support you to find the right job and thrive. Nothing makes a person go weak at the knees quite like a job interview. Enter Shortlisted, a podcast by Future Women where Helen McCabe and I hold your virtual hand, walking with you every step of the way, right to the interview door and straight onto the shortlist. In this episode, we explore another common interview question. What are your salary expectations? Let's talk about what you're worth, what your potential employer can afford to pay, how to answer this question and what to do when they don't bring up salary at all. Let's just get to some facts around salary negotiation. What do we know about it? I think we know a few things about salary negotiation. Firstly, it is how pay is set in a lot of Australian workplaces. There are some workplaces where your pay is governed by an award rate or a collective agreement, and even within that, you will tend to have some scope to negotiate. Perhaps you'll have scope to negotiate within a band. And in other organisations around different workforces, ABS data shows that around 38 40% have salaries that are set entirely by individual employer agreements. So you are negotiating one-on-one with the person who is interviewing you. So I think negotiation skills are important no matter what. It's not enough to say I'm working in an in a workforce or in an industry where the award sets the rate. Well, sure, but maybe for your level of experience, you could be paid anywhere from 45000 to 58000 That's a really big difference. And your ability to negotiate within that band is totally relevant. And we also know that it's now increasingly common for organisations to have bands themselves, like private sector organisations yeah. sort of work with some bands. And in some cases, and pretty rare, but in some cases they're made public. So a little bit of research and you could kind of discover roughly what the bands are in your organisation. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think so. But one thing I'd like to know from you as someone who employs a lot of people is when do you bring this up? Like at what point do you actually get to say, what am I going to get paid? (laughs) Because sometimes in a job interview, they say, what are your salary expectations? But my experience has been, usually you go through a series of processes from the resume to a couple of interviews and no one talks about money till the last minute. Yes. And I think that's a failing on everyone's behalf. So I do think what I'd like people to take away from this podcast is that it is perfectly legitimate to have an idea about what you want to be paid in that role. It might not be what you want to be paid, but if you're going for the job, you should have an idea about what you think that salary will be. And I think it's perfectly reasonable to be upfront about that pretty early on in the process. I also think it's beholden on organisations to be a little more transparent about it. And I would worry if I'm into round three of an interview and there's still no indication about what that salary might be. Now, that's for two reasons. One, you're a busy person. You may not have a job, but you're a busy person. You've got a lot of other things going on in your life. And particularly if you've got caring responsibilities, going through emotionally difficult 
job applications and interviews is just time you don't have if the job is not going to satisfy you in terms of the salary that you need. So, Jam, I think it's pretty reasonable to do a bit of research, get a sense from the recruiter or anything you can find online about what the role is and what other companies pay in that role. And then it's pretty reasonable to say up front, you know, I am expecting that this salary or can you give me some indication of what the salary band is? Would you agree with that? I think so as well, because on top of you being busy, the employer's busy. And there's nothing more frustrating as an employer than having three, four conversations with someone and then they give you a dollar figure that's $80,000 more than you can afford. And you're like, well, this is not even in the same stratosphere. This is not something we can negotiate to. This is just, we can't meet what you want. And I think if there's a bit of a gap, there's always the potential that you can come together and you can negotiate to something that works for both of you. But if there's a huge gap between what you're expecting and what that employer is willing to pay, better to find that early and better to find that out early for everyone's sake. I completely agree. So, it's really just about what we've been saying throughout this entire series is about being authentic, being respectful, understanding they've got a role that they need to fill and they've got expectations around what the skill set and the type of person that they want for that role uh, and making sure that the role is right for you and for them. So, don't be too nervous about asking where that role fits in the salary bands. You don't have to even ask exactly what it is. You could ask whereabouts that they're thinking of paying. So, can you give me an actual sentence that I can practice? So, I am interviewing you for a job and I say, do you have any other questions? Yes, Jamila, I'm interested to know approximately what this role would pay. Yeah, perfect. So, you just go, you just say it, right? Mm. Yeah, just be really straightforward. I'm interested to know roughly what this, this role will pay. One of the points I want to make is that if you are in the 40, 50, 60 age bracket, um, I do think there's room for a misunderstanding. So, some employers might think you've got so much experience, you're going to expect 150000 and therefore they might not hire you. Some employers might think you're really desperate because you're over 50 and you'll just take anything and you're like, well, actually, no, I've got, you know, childcare to, to pay if I take this role. So, I need a certain number to make this worthwhile. So, I think in the context of being a woman over 40, then getting rid of that misunderstanding around what your expectation is and what your employer's expectation is pretty important and to do that early. And I suspect that probably applies at different points in your trajectory through your career as well, right? For example, if you're shifting industries or you're embarking on a new career, no matter what age you're at, you're probably not worth as much in that new industry as you were in your previous one, unless you can really prove there's some transferable skills there. Perhaps you're not going all the way back to the beginning, a 22-year-old straight out of university or an 18-year-old straight out of high school, but you can't necessarily expect to move sideways Uh, when you're going into a new industry because you've got some things to learn. That's right. It's quite a complex calculation to make. So, uh, okay, I'm 50 and I'm not an expert in project management, but I run a household and I'm pretty damn organised and I know I can do the job, but I probably need to prove it because it's not clear in my CV. So, I'm prepared to take a role, let's say for round numbers on $100,000 a year, but I kind of know that in this organisation, in this sector, that's a $150,000 role. I'm prepared to have a go at it. And, you know, I've got a six-month probation period, so I can have a go at proving that I'm worth the extra 
$50,000 and you can set, and there's a couple of tricks to this, you can actually ask for a pay review in that context. You go, I'm prepared to take the lesser salary, but I'm looking for a pay review in three to six months, or I'm prepared to take the salary, but would it be all right if I took Friday afternoons off because, you know, I'm into ballet on Friday afternoons and my friends and I go away for the weekend or whatever it is. So, you can kind of negotiate a little bit around things that might give you more time, which might be as valuable to you as the extra salary. But I think the point that you were making, Jamila, is that all of us in our careers have taken salary cuts from time to time. Have you done that? Yes, definitely have done that on a couple of occasions, in fact. And why did you do it? What motivated you to take less money? Well, I I knew I didn't have expertise in that field and I needed to prove myself. The most dramatic was going from television news reporting to print reporting. So, I went from a young television reporter and I wanted to be a, a newspaper reporter. And Uh, I thought that skill was greatly, you know, harder and more prestigious than being a television reporter. So, I was prepared to do anything to get um, taken seriously um, by a newspaper company. So, I took a significant pay cut. Yeah, I've done the same thing a couple of times. One, changing industries again, moving from politics to media, in my case, took a whopping great pay cut uh, because young political staffers are paid a lot of money and that just wasn't something I was going to be able to attract moving into the media that generally doesn't have the same cash for junior roles. And it was a bit of a shock to the system because I had a sense in my head of what I was worth, but I think I probably had a slightly inflated sense of what I was worth. And I had to weigh up how much I wanted that change, how much I wanted that new job. And I think that's something you've got to go through when you're thinking about salary is what is most important to you. The other time I've taken a pay cut is after I had my son and I moved out of the workforce for a while and came back into a different role, I decided that flexibility, uh, being able to work part-time, being able to work from home and having slightly less responsibility in terms of hours was worth it for me at that point in my life. I didn't think it was going to be worth it forever, but at that point in my life, that extra time was worth more than extra money. Yeah, so I guess what we're saying to anyone that's going into a, um, a job interview and having salary negotiations, these are things you have to weigh up and meet your employer halfway if the money's not there. And I think it's perfectly legitimate to say, all right, you're twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 less. Um, I, I, and particularly if you've done your research and you know you're being underpaid, find ways to make up the difference that work for you or to build in a salary review Or be confident that you are going to get new skills that you will then be able to argue for, you know, the the salary that you're entitled to. Or get out of there and take those skills to the next employer that's going to pay you what you think you deserve to be paid. It is a delicate process, but if you do it well, uh, you can usually be pretty proud of yourself at the end of it. There are going to be a lot of people listening who are thinking, I'm not even negotiating for a big salary or anything like that. I am not negotiating at all. Whatever they offer me is what I'm going to take, even if it's surprisingly low. How do we encourage the people who are listening to think about that negotiating question? And we hate the word empower here, but I can't think of a better one. And empower those women to negotiate. Well, there's a couple of things in your favour. If they've gone through the process of choosing you, 
to not move forward with the hiring of you will cost them time and money. So you do have some power in the process because it's just really time consuming choosing new staff and onboarding. So don't think you have no power at all. I just want you to remember that. And also that occurs when you are thinking about walking away from a role. It's much easier to keep good staff than it is to let someone go over a small pay rise. So bear that in mind as well once you're in the job. But if you've got no negotiating power, then and absolutely none, and you just need the work, you've got childcare costs or a mortgage or electricity bills, and you just want this job. There is absolutely nothing wrong with just taking the job and saying, thank you very much. This is a job I needed and I'm going to work very hard in it. That's a perfectly legitimate response. And in fact, as an employer, you spend a lot of time worried about the salaries and the people that you hire and being able to keep them in jobs. And it's lovely to have an employee just say, thank you. I'm going to work really hard for you. And hopefully when the business is able to offer pay rises, you're the one that stands out as someone who's just prepared to get in and do the work. So, don't go home feeling like I haven't won one for, you know, the sisterhood today by arguing for an extra $10,000 because not every conversation has to be a negotiation. Yes, thank you very much. I'm going to work really hard in this job is a pretty good response as well. Can I disagree? Of course. I mean, I'm not saying that that never holds. I think that absolutely holds a lot of the time. And I think that loyalty and showing an employer that you're not just in it for the money is actually a really important part of getting hired and being a good employee. The only reason I feel uncomfortable about it is that the data shows that women are less likely to negotiate at all. And so that makes me nervous. A lot of the studies show, for example, that women are less likely to initiate salary negotiations in the first place than men, and that can lead to lower salary outcomes. Women are less likely to negotiate on salary, and when they do negotiate on salary, they're less likely to get what they ask for than men. And that is a contributor to the gender pay gap, both the not asking and the when you ask not necessarily being entertained in the same way as men. So for me, that sort of says at a global level – We've got some work to do to make sure that men and women are more equal in workplaces around negotiations. But at an individual level, I really encourage negotiation as a skill for you to practice and develop. I'd echo what Helen says that if it doesn't come off, if you don't win that negotiation, you haven't messed up. I think going through the process, though, is good for you. It's good practice because negotiation is a hireable skill like any other. So... The premise of your question was, what if I've got no negotiating position at all? No, no. (laughs) I answered the question on the basis that I've got no negotiating room. So I'm going to throw it back at you. Let's say I'm going for a job working in teaching and I just want the job. It's around the corner from me. It's flexible, but I know the pay is rubbish, but I can live with that. What do you do in that circumstance? I think when you're talking about a profession like teaching, you're particularly restricted, right? Because everything is set by a negotiated contract with the whole workforce, not with you. So you don't have that same negotiating power as an individual. So I would say if you don't have negotiating power on money, try to negotiate on something else. Yep. Okay. So I want our listeners to go away with some clear, definitive outtakes from what we're saying. It's okay to not win the negotiation. That's okay. Don't 
feel like you failed. It's okay to ask for what you want and it's okay to ask early in the piece. If you're kind of anxious that, I don't know, this job's going to pay me enough and these interviews are getting tedious, it's okay to ask politely. If you're in a role which is very hard to negotiate on an actual salary, look for other things. Just see what else you can do that will make your life a bit easier or better um, in that role. Are they the key outtakes? Yeah, I think that's about right. Um, The one other thing I think I'd say is that you should try and reframe the idea of pay negotiation as a conversation, not a confrontational process. Like it doesn't have to be an us versus them sort of feeling when you're negotiating pay. It's just a conversation. You're asking a question. As long as you recognise that it's possible the answer to that question is going to be no, I think you can have a good chat. It doesn't have to be an angry thing. That's right. And play the no out in your head. Play what it feels like to be told no. Mm. So, no, Jamila, I can't afford that pay rise right now. How do you feel about that? And know what your response is going to be, Yeah, that's right. Like, if you were buying a house, if you and I were going out to buy a house today and we knew we'd be negotiating or we'd be part of an auction, we would have an amount that was our, we will not go any further. We will not bid more. And in the same way, I think you should have with a salary an amount that you're not willing to go below. You should have some flexibility. You should be negotiating and asking for what you want or even ambitiously more than what you hope to get. But you should have a number in your head where you're like, at that point, this job's not worth it for me. But until I get to that point, I I do still want this job. Really good advice. And I'm going to just tell one other story that when I was in a job negotiation that was quite a uh, high intensity one, I got an email about the job. Um, It was a contract. And I was really upset by the email and the number. And I rang a male friend at the time who was a master negotiator. He's well-known, is really good at doing contracts and negotiating contracts, a lawyer, of course. So I asked for his advice and um, I'll never forget it. His advice was, take the emotion out of it. That's just a starting point. Like, why are you so upset about this? That is their first offer. They do not expect you to accept that. They're hoping you might be going to accept it, but they fully expect you to come back with a counter offer. But you, you saw it as like a judgment as of your personal worth. Yes. This is what I am worth in their eyes. And how dare they insult me? And of course, he was 100% right. So something I learned in that process was strip the emotion out. Don't, don't see this as a personal thing. Everyone is just playing a part and you'll get to a midpoint. So I'll say an extra, you know, 30% on top of what they offered and we'll get to 15% and everyone sort of feels like they've had a win. Now, I mentioned that in a situation where you really do have some negotiating power, but even then, you know, an employer will eventually walk away if you're not good at it or cautious and you don't take into consideration what their levers are and what the pressure is on them. So you do need to do a little bit of research about the person and the organisation that you're working in to better understand the pressure that they're under. Because sometimes you're not aware of that as an employee. You can't quite see the full picture. Shortlisted is produced by Future Women's Jobs Academy. To apply to join, head to jobsacademy.futurewomen.com or go to futurewomen.com to become a Future Women member today.